Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This is the Leftovers Podcast with Derek Kramer. I'm going to say a stupid thing right now. Pudding. Where's my money? Frank R. Curry. I didn't say run through a wall. Do it again? Okay. And Kyle Powell. The Sabres were actually in a playoff spot for the entire year. On WGR550.com. Welcome into another episode of the Leftovers Podcast. Derek Kramer. Frank R. Curry. Kyle Powell. And the gang's all here. And as I'd referenced on the last podcast, um, my brother got married. And don't worry, the intro is fine. We just we just went with kid and play, you know, something simple, effective. Well, Pers- uh, the group before us, though, the pair brought a confetti gun. That was fantastic. That's pretty I don't, sweet. Think, you, I don't think you topped that though. So, but yeah, no, I, I was fine with that with that thing. Oh, you need the help? No, I don't. But uh, you guys ready for some stories? Always. So. Before we get to the, the sports talk of all this, here's some nonsense for your podcast. And, oh, it is some damn nonsense. So my brother and my now sister-in-law got married at a place called Schmo Schmeckies. And uh, let me say this. Yo, Kyle, don't get married at Schmo Schmeckies. I will cross that off the list I was compiling right now. Yes, it's a it's a place in the West Seneca area, and obviously I'm not saying its actual name, but uh, yeah, they kind of suck. Um, they were yelling at the at the wedding party to get lined up. Here's the problem: I was chasing a two year old to get him in line to uh, be ready for like the. Um, not the ceremony, the reception. I'm chasing this kid down. Uncle Derek's chasing a stupid kid, and I'm hearing this lady. First off, don't mess with event coordinators or wedding planners. They, they're mean, mean people. But this lady's yelling, and we're wondering why. And I come back with a two-year-old. I'm like, okay, I got him. Let's do this. But apparently the lines get in line or you can wait outside were thrown around. That's kind of terrible, don't you think? Yeah, a little bit. Mm-hmm. Kind of, kind of. Let's put it frankly, shitty. And uh, then I learned that the bride was getting yelled at through all this procession. I'm sorry, you don't, you don't do that. No, you suck. You're the worst kind of person, and uh, I hope you burn in hell. So we slowly get our revenge, not on purpose, but we get our revenge because that's what Kramers do. We party hard. And that's, I mean, come on, I sell you hard. People know this. And uh, it runs in the family, really. But I got yelled at for the first time on, for being on the dance floor. For the very first time, I got yelled at. I've been to four weddings now in my adult life. First time I ever got yelled at. And this place just, they, they suck. They're kind of tight asses. And I don't like it. So... But the interesting thing was, 
it was pretty cool. I slid on a chair all the way across the floor, kind of like it was like a rolly chair, but it wasn't. It had the same range and motion and flawlessness to it. It was stupid cool. You had to be there. Sorry you guys weren't. And, But apparently I got in trouble for that. However, there was one thing they got to be legitimately pissed off about. Which is? Okay, so we had a bunch of sparklers that we lit outside for a certain part of this uh, for a certain part of this reception for during the dancing. There was a certain song that played, and you got you all went outside. We took a sparkler and you lit a sparkler up. There were a couple left, and apparently, from what I'm collecting these days, three days after the wedding, someone used one of these sparklers to light a plant on fire. You know what? Oh. You know what? That's what you get for yelling at the bride. I don't feel bad. Take that, schmoschmackies. Y'all can suck it. All right. I'm sorry, but you don't yell at the bride. That's true. Kiss the whitest part of my ass. Yeah. Simply enough. <laughs> but yeah, there's there's more, but obviously we are a sports podcast, and I just like to say that my family's a right bunch of assholes. And uh, I'm not ashamed of it. Because I am the same thing. So yes, fun, stupid start to our podcast. But around the corner is the MLB trade deadline. Also around the corner is training camps. As a matter of fact, rookies reported today for the Buffalo Bills. And the rest of the players report on Wednesday. Training camp practices begin on Thursday. So we got football's back. Everyone, we did it. Football. Football is back. You don't need any more things about stories about people lighting plants on fire at a wedding for our podcast. Now you can just get football and then to hockey and then to everything else and baseball playoffs. And we're back. We did it. We did it. Everyone, we held off those two weeks of those two particular weeks of hell. Give yourself a pat on the back. Everyone, same time, ready? There we go. Well done, world. Well done, boys. We did it. Job. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. So, guys, obviously, I'm the filthy casual around here. I do not know the contracts of players and who's expiring or how often it's expired contracts that end up getting traded at the MLB trade deadline. Uh, I don't know the hot names out there, but I do know that Kyle's got a list in front of him. There's so much. There is a lot that I'm looking at here. And I see arrows, I see names, lists, and Frank's got his phone just ready and at the. Uh, it's like, it's like that fire. scene of Always Sunny where Charlie gets a job in the mailroom. Pepe Silly. Everywhere Silly. I look, it's Pepe Silly. I got boxes full of Pepe. That's what I think of when I, I see opened these up Twitter, arrows. and the first thing I see is uh, something new with Saber's Twitter today. Oh, 
Let's start there then. What's new on Sabres Twitter today? Is there complaints so, about okay. Kevin Rodriguez? Yes. Chance? Yes, oh, there ding, is. Oh, ding, ding, ding. Happy Monday to Kyle. Good job. It's based off of uh, one comment. So, Elliot Friedman, over the weekend, yes. tweeted about Evan Rodriguez and arbitration. Buffalo is offering 1.5. Evan Rodriguez says camp wants 2.65. So, they'll meet in the middle. It's they'll meet in the middle, which the middle does. Which is, a, which is just over $2 million. Okay, Likely. cool. I'm, okay. I'm down with a cool $2 million for Evan Rodriguez. He was going to get a pay raise. So the problem is, is that there is, a, there is a particular Sabres fan on Twitter who replied to Elliot's tweet saying, dude, wouldn't Evan Rodriguez wouldn't make AHL rosters because he's a soft player, essentially. Are you sure this dude's Sabres Twitter, is he just a dink of a fan? His his Twitter name, like not the at, his Twitter name is Raiders Boys Bills, and it's also including the Sabers in there too. And he's from Buffalo. Okay, like so I the said, d- is he just a dink? Oh yeah, he's a total dink. Then it's not Sabers Twitter; it's just a person on Twitter. It was also because people on Sabers Twitter have also replied or commented on said tweet. Basically refuting everything he says. I'm gonna say this is the first thing I saw on Twitter when I when I opened it up when I sat down here. That's all. That's all. That's what I was. That's why. That's why I'm like you're seeing me look in my phone right now because I'm just reading some stuff. Yeah, I mean, it is kind of funny that someone just some guys just like, dude wouldn't make an NHL roster but wants two point six five. Um. I would definitely argue against that. I'm not I'm not charts guy. What do you think depth is in the NHL anyway? Yeah. A guy who you makes think everybody NHL has roster. 50 60 point the players. Dude, so the dude who line. comment who made that comment essentially says Evan Rodriguez is not even a fourth liner so he needs to be a tough player. IE IE old school hockey. Because he's not old school hockey, he'll never make it. Breaking news. Essentially, even though the charts actually say Marigas is pretty good, like he's a good top nine player. Like I said, I'm not charts guy, but I am a guy that says Evan Rodriguez absolutely has a spot on this team and is a guy who could get paid a cool two million dollars a season. I'm fine with that. They give him that if if if, it, if the arbitration just settles at two point, they gets two point oh seven five. I mean, good for his camp for really trying to reach for the stars though, um, but that's what an agent does. Yeah. His job is to literally make his client money, and he knows how to play the Chad, arbitration uh, game. Chad DeDominic's on Twitter said, uh, it's got to be a Paul Hamilton burner account, which was pretty funny. I haven't seen P. Ham openly slam Evan Rodriguez as a player that no, should be No, he was just making a joke. <laughs> so I don't get it. I don't get it. So... What do you think about the uh, the fact that Rodriguez could get that significant of a pay raise? Because the guy was making less than seven hundred thousand a season on his last contract. I mean, he's earned it. He's earned it. It's just now you got to now you've got to kind of possibly look at the books here a little bit, don't you think? They already are. They already have to because. It's Evan Rodriguez. They have a little over five million in cap space right now, and it's Evan Rodriguez, 
it's Jake McCabe, and it's Linus Olmark. And if you're – the thing is now – the thing is with the cat space, the Sabres can go over. They need to. They are allowed to be 10% over the cap throughout the summer. Until the season starts. Once the season starts. So once game one starts, they have to be under. Is that $5 million in space including Rodriguez's expected – no, that's what they have right now. Right now, before yes. they even talk terms. Right now, before I thought, anything. I thought the tender signs. does count on the cap for well, the time it, being, right? I'm not entirely sure because it's nothing has been actually signed. Just a tender, which Rodriguez's tender, I believe. Wouldn't even be like, would be like around the veteran minimum anyway. This is one of those things where I can sense though that um, the the team and the player aren't really going to work out a long term deal here. Not, not no, with this how is, far apart they are. This is probably gonna be like the one year deal. Yeah. It's either the one-year deal or the arbitration settles it. No, that's what it will be. The arbitration will be a one-year deal. Yeah, they're they're too far apart. I think to really if they were get getting more. if they were going for a multi-year deal, they would have signed it already. I yeah. don't think they would anyway because he had a little bit of an inflation in his stats last year because the season was over by the start of February. You know, come that seven-game homestand to start that month. Once they got off on the wrong foot like that, I mean, they weren't as they weren't playing for anything for the final two and a half months of the season. So. He had a chance to get more minutes, and he had a chance to play more stats. So I think it's smart on both camps, especially the Sabres side, to not go extra years with a guy like Rodriguez because he is a role player. He's a depth player. He's your bottom six. He can drive a little bit of play on the third and fourth line wherever you place him. But it's not exactly a prove-it guy deal where he bursts on the scene and has 70 points, and we want to say I we think... want to do it again. But you have to see if he can give you that production a years more over before you give him two, three years of commitment, and he's 28, thing, 29, the, and you're looking at 15 yeah. points a year. The other thing, too, is when arbitration does decide what the contract will look like, the Sabres do have the choice of walking away from it. Sure. Which would then make Evan Rodriguez a UFA. And make some people on Sabres Twitter very unhappy. But... I wonder if a lot of this comes down to where they see him in the lineup with what they have now. Because what do they have now? Well, be, remember, they've added Johansson. They've added Jimmy VC. You still have – you re-signed Skinner. You still have Connor Sherry. They re-signed Gergensons and Larson. They, they still have Olofsson coming up too. We know what this team needs. I know. What I'm saying is, why keep Larson Gergensons and get rid of Rodriguez? That, oh, that. Oh, I, that's I, dumb. Yeah. But that is not if they, smart. but that's, but the thing is, if they don't, if they only see Rodriguez as a fourth liner on this team with the wingers they've added already, on they might not have him here next next season. Especially if you're paying $2 million to him. I guess the thing is, is we have to see what the arbitration does. Because I think the arbitration... Honestly, I don't think the arbitrator is going to go over $2 million. 
the me the medium between what Rodriguez wants and what the Sabers want is two point zero seven five, barely over two million. Barely over. I'm no, and I'm okay with that. I think the team would be okay with that. The team will be okay with that. I think. They I think only only if they see him as the third center. Yeah, I could see that. I just think though that. But if they're trying to add another center, oh. Uh, where they does Rodriguez fit? They suddenly can't afford two million on him. They suddenly can't fit him in the lineup because your fourth line, right? Because the fourth line is had yes, Larson and Gergesons are, are are signed. You still have Kyle Oposo. You still have you just resigned C.J. Smith. You still have Scott Wilson for another year. Are you going to add Evan Rodriguez to that too? I mean, maybe you might. Or you do one of two things. You don't accept the arbitration and let him walk. Or you package him in a wrist line and trade. You sign him to that and then package him. And get that center you want. If that's, if that's what they can do. The instigators mentioned a center this morning when I was driving in over on the topic. And it happened to come from Winnipeg. And I think it's a player that you could fit under this tiny amount of cap you have left, and it's Adam Lowry, who makes under three million dollars. Yeah, but see, Adam, I've I've thought of Adam Lowry too, but I don't see him as a top nine center. Really, he's got the ma- he's got the making of being a really good fourth line center and like a lower end. Th- third guy, third line center. Whereas the Sabres need more of a middle six guy. And he's been good. And I mean, I could be wrong. He could be better and be even better. But consider that the last two years, Winnipeg has traded for top six centers at the deadline. In Paul Statsny and Kevin Hayes. And then oh, okay. their center core immediately becomes, after those trades, obviously, Shifley, Statsny slash Hayes, Brian Little, and Adam Lowry. And then you, they still have Matthew Parole, too. Wow. I thought he had a little more point production. He's never even reached 30. Yeah. Like I said, I think Adam Lowry is more of a fourth-line slash bottom six guy. Wow, that shocks me. See, he at Lowry's got not, more not than, your projection of him. There's yeah. just the points output. Yeah. Well, Lowry's All also got more of an name. edge to his game. Oh yeah, people would. Love he's more of an ed- he's more of an edgy that. guy. Yeah. But <laughs> that's my that's my wonder with Rodriguez. I'd be okay with packaging him in a deal if it got me something. If meaningful. it gets you that center that you need, yeah, absolutely. Because right. with all, because that, but then it, all this conti- is contingent on where they see Rodriguez. If they see him as a center, they'll sign him, and he'll be the third center. That that's that depend. That all depends on Kruger. Man, I just realized how, like, my mood kind of like went on a downswing as we're talking about the Sabers here. <laughs> Are they really that disappointing right now that it alters my mood? I'm actually yeah. amazed that Adam Lowry and Evan Rodriguez have the same career high 
for a season of points. Adam Lowry is Evan Rodriguez. Evan Rodriguez is Adam Lowry. That's going to piss people off. Uh, wow. Yeah. 29 is the highest that Lowry's reached, and Erod just got that last year. Yep. I'm amazed. I heard the name, and I was like, wow, that's a forgotten guy, maybe a gem. And then as soon as Frank gave me the lowdown on what he actually might be in this league, it shocked me. But you look at the stats, and you're like, holy cow, 6'5", 220. You think that would be a driver of playing. But you're right, though. They're always looking for centermen at the deadline, and now I can see why. That guy never panned out. 26 years old, there's still a chance for him to blossom, but – I mean, I always found it interesting. It's kind of last, I always found that interesting the last couple of years. Winnipeg traded for a higher guy, and I higher center. See why now? When, yeah. but I mean, I always thought it was funny too because they have Brian Little. I thought he was he's a really good second line center for them. Behind he Shifley. was yeah. And now you blink your eye and he's what thirty five, thirty six years old. No, Little's younger than Is that. He? I'm pretty sure. I'm going to find this. I mean, one he's out. been in the league for a while. And he I goes mean, back to the Thrasher days. Yeah. But, Check that real quick. I've got you here. If my computer, nope, I don't got you. You've got. He's thirty-one. This. My computer oh, just wow. crapped the bed. Just feels like it, I guess. He's thirty-one. Being with another franchise, and he's got five years left on his contract at just over five point, just under five point three. When did he get Derek perked? Derek perked up on that. I didn't perk up. I'm just like. Um, you should look at the like. It's too bad. People should see the faces Kyle and I both made when I, when we heard that. When did he sign that kind of deal? Um, twenty seventeen. Oh no! And the deal kicked in oh, last no. season, and he's got no movement this Ooh, year. He's got two no movement. Yeah. Well, yeah, no, 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 movement no, no last movement. year, this year, and then turns into a modified trade, no trade next, as of next year on for the final four years. I wonder. Whew. I've always wondered if. Brian Little was a guy the Sabres could try and get. Everyone was talking with Win- about Winnipeg as a team that the Sabres should trade with Salina to because they need a defenseman. Everyone talks about Nikolai, Nikolai Ehlers. I've got a hot take, or this might be a hot take. I don't think Nikolai Ehlers is smart. Is a smart get for the Sabres. No, because of the wingers they've added already. Yeah, they need guy down. They the need a center. Ehlers is not that. They've already signed Johansson. They've already traded for VC. They still have Olafson in the mix. Connor Sherry's still here, and you have Reinhard Skinner. That's I just named your top nine wingers for next season. They need a center. Why would you get? Why would you trade for another winger unless one of your winger other wingers is going to move to center? So then, how in your mind, how does Brian Little get here? Without having to package Rasmus Ristolainen, because Ristolainen is smarter given the ages. But I think you can get more from Winnipeg, knowing you're giving them a 24-year-old with control and taking back a very unsightly contract for a guy already on the other side of 30. You can definitely get more from Winnipeg prospect and maybe pick-wise. But I think it would blow up in flames if Ristolainen well, was brought well, in that's for the other thing. That's the other thing too is. Brian Little's always intrigued me as a guy because I've always liked him as a top six center. And he's always good for 40 points. So what's your ideal package to get him here? My problem is I don't think Brian Little would waive his no movement to come to Buffalo. Very true. But ideal, let's say ideal he, scenario. But let's say he did. This will probably be a case where... Does it take like a McCabe instead? 
It, Perhaps. Maybe it's Rodriguez. Could be. You get another yeah. forward for their top nine. The problem then that Winnipeg comes into is who's their center? Who are their centers after Shifley? Rodriguez, maybe. Lowry. And whatever else they have coming up. Yeah, Hayes is gone. They got no more Stastny. Wow. Turn your phone off. We're here in school. <laughs> I mean, Matthew Parole. <laughs> this is the second time I've done this in two episodes. <laughs> yeah, we're trying to have a healthy conversation about Brian Little here. Yeah, and I don't want that like albatross of a contract. No, thank you. I mean, I don't consider it that much of an albatross. It's, it's an a, albatross based on term. Sure. And I, that hurts. I don't like the term. A term is ugly for a guy who's already 31. Sure. The term, hard, yes. Hard no thanks from me there. It's Look, I don't know what Jason Bottrell's got cooking. Here's what we do know. Oh, yeah, and they got Roslovic, too. Okay. Here's what we know about this, though. Something's going to happen. Something has to happen. Be- because something has to happen. Yeah. Something's going to happen. I don't know what. Mm-hmm. I don't know when. I don't know with whom. I don't know what you're getting back. But something's going to happen. Something's going to go down. <sighs> what I do know is that Jason Bottrell seems like that smart kind of person that doesn't want to trade for, as the key piece in a deal, a guy with a bad contract. And at the end of the day, that's what I look at with Brian Little and his close to three, his five point three million dollars per season over the next five seasons. Yeah, at thirty one years old. Yeah, I don't see that as a responsible trade. I see that as a possibly negative trade. I see that as more of a desperate trade. And I see that as making up for Ryan O'Reilly, which yes, as we've already seen, Jason Bottrell is not scared of dealing just because of the fact that he lost on the Ryan O'Reilly trade. And he damn well better not be. No, he's Because that's not. how you get fired. Yeah. Yes, the Ryan O'Reilly trade bit you in the ass. It's all, what? It's, okay. it's all contingent on a team coming up to him and saying, we need a defenseman. We need a right shot. David Poyle traded Martin Erat straight up, giving up Philip Forsberg. He still has a job because he's a good Mc- GM. George McPhee traded Philip Forsberg. Yeah. Oh, wait, it was McPhee. That's right. He didn't McPhee get fired trade- for that. Not for that. He eventually got fired because the team just couldn't get over the hump. Yeah. Yeah. Not because he put a bad team together or he made a dumb trade. David Poyle. Oh, right. David Poyle's dumb trade was trading a first-round pick for Paul Gostad. He was still around to make the trade to acquire Philip Forsberg. He's still around today. He's still around today. He's still one of the best general managers in hockey. He's still. He, a- he is still Nashville's only general manager they've ever had. And again, my point being. Don't be scared just because you made a bad trade to yeah. not trade again. And I hate the people that say that. It's like, oh, you're going to trade – like, oh, don't trade Russell Lightning because how you lost the Ryan O'Reilly trade. That's the dumbest take of all. That is, that's how you get fired. That's how you get fired. That's literally how you get fired. Not moving on from that deal. No, I was looking at all the teams, just seeing if which teams need a right-shot defenseman. Really, the only – Two that cut, that I can find is Winnipeg being one. The other one is quite obvious, Ottawa. That's it. It's hard to find another team that could really use or really needs 
a right shot defenseman in Ristolainen. Long term wise, Philadelphia. Okay. <laughs> what about Pittsburgh? No, seriously. Both. Yeah, I'm not kidding. Around Pittsburgh's. On this. I, always, I Pittsburgh is interesting. And you know, Botchel isn't scared of going back to his old stomping yeah. ground for this. We've talked about Pittsburgh before. I can deja vu myself to this last conversation. Yes, we talked about a predecessor for Chris Letang. Yes, who is 32 years old. He's got three years left on his deal. And your other right shot defensemen are Justin Schultz at a 5.5. Wow, 5.5. But he's for a his UFA final year. next year. Who? Schultz. And then you have Good Branson. Is he still there? Eric Good Branson for two years, but he's a pylon. That Jack Johnson. And, um, I can't believe he Chris got Weidman. Wasn't he the other acquisition at the deadline? It was Good Branson. Right now, likely gone. Pittsburgh's your top other right six defenseman. Your other right-handed defenseman might be Chad Ruedel. They've already but dumped he's Mata also, to Chicago too. Yep. Mata's gone. So right now, Pittsburgh's decor is going to look like Latang, Brian Dumoulin, Justin Schultz. Likely Marcus Pedersen because he played really well for them last and then year. Good and Branson they and reason- Johnson are the yeah. third pairing. Yeah. Oh, no. On the ice together? They were a pairing at the when Gabranson got traded. And they Thank got- God Pittsburgh inked Brandon Tannen for six years though. And yeah. they got swept. Yeah. Huh. Neat. But yeah, no, that made, like Pittsburgh looks interesting to me as a team that you could look at. As, Pitts, they would have to dump Good Branson or Johnson in order to do that. And you know what that means? The price goes up. I ain't taking one of those pieces of garbage for nothing. But what Kyle said actually has a lot of merit to it. So as then, well. what else do you get then from Pittsburgh? Let's say you're taking on the Gabranson. Let's say you're taking on Gabranson for Ristolainen. What else? What's that piece you're getting? And it would have to. It, you would have to think it has to be a center. Nick Bukestad. Bukestad would be fantastic. Two more years at four point one. Now we're cooking, because now, it has to be an NHL ready player for the needs of the Sabers mm-hmm. and Pittsburgh's farm system is awful. I feel like for the last five years, the only guy worth talking about in that system was Daniel Sprong, and he's since moved on to Anaheim in a trade. I don't think they have anything in scranton Wilkesbury. Yeah, cap-wise, you don't even have to take on the likes of a good Branson, I don't think. Well, now they have uh, Joseph. They got from the Kessel trade. That's right. Defenseman. Left or right? Left. He's Mm. a young guy. But 20 years is old. He, but is he NHL ready yet? Probably not. Not right so now. Bugstad. There's another idea on a Monday. Bugstad is, I think, very interesting. It's just because Pittsburgh has so many other if you end defensemen up taking, right now, they're going to have to move move a guy first. Yeah, if we end up having to take on, for example, the contract of Eric Branson, a decent pick is coming along your way too, probably. Right? You'd have probably. to think. Branson, Bugstad, and like a third I would hope for a second. You would hope maybe you can make conditional. How old's Bukestad? 27? You get him for years, what, 28, 29? He's 27. 27? Yeah, nice one. Well, guess what? They don't have a second in 2020, so you'd have to look at that and get a little creative. And trades have gotten gotten pretty creative these days, though, So with conditionals and everything of the sort. Love the conditions. So Kyle, though, had a pretty good point about Philly. Kyle knows that roster better than Mm -hmm. either of us would right off the start, but – 
Their right-handed defensemen are Travis Sanheim, Justin Braun, Matt Niskanen. Sanheim's a lefty. Oh, it says he is a right defenseman, though. Yeah, Does he main, primarily play the on the left side? They moved a lot of guys around this year okay. with some injuries. Seeing Gosses Bear took a step back, but the main core was Gosses Bear, Hag, Sanheim, Morin. Yeah. And um Yeah, they're Provorov. all lefties. Provorov is also Provorov is also a lefty, yeah. Mm-hmm. They're main, got a they lot this, of lefties. They had this foursome of lefties coming from Lehigh Valley to Philadelphia. The last few years, that were all left-handed shot defensemen. Yeah. Gosses Bear debuted in 2015-16. And they traded Racco Gudis for Matt Niskin in order to get a right-handed shot that could Well, Gudis was also a left-handed shot. Or, or right-handed shot. What I'm saying, though, is that he could lock some minutes because there's no one yeah, else on there that are right-handed that. shots that could do that. And then they traded for Justin Braun. Braun's going to be the right-handed minutes eater now. He's got one year left. Yep. No, I mean, like, right now. Oh, I know. I'm just saying, like, he's got one year left. If Philly wants to talk, I'm willing to listen. Uh, uh, down the middle, guys you can look at in Philadelphia. Obviously, Nolan Patrick. Yep. Travis Konechny. That would break me inside. Konechny. Yeah, you know, Konechny, you might you might be talking. Yeah, but Konechny's kind of moved to wing, hasn't he? Yeah. A but, little bit. But I would easily take it. Yeah. He's got experience down the middle. Uh, Couturier. No. <laughs> oh, but you know you want to. Mm, you know, I Couturier want to. Couturier bust. You know I want that. Or right. if you look at right, the system. All right, fine. We'll take Claude Giroux off. <laughs> all right. If you look at the system, though, I mean, Morgan Frost, year or two yeah. away, maybe. Yeah. Morgan Frost is their best prospect. But uh, stick to Pittsburgh. <laughs> yeah, because, like, honestly, I'm probably taking that advice because other than Couturier – which is unrealistic, and Nolan Patrick, who really hasn't done anything since being drafted. Nolan Patrick would be interesting because you could take the chance on his. He's still got. He's still got a high ceiling. I would take Konechny any day of the week. Yeah, you'd just be talking contract with him at the end of the season. Yeah, he's an RFA. That's fine. But Pittsburgh actually looks a little more intriguing to me in terms of you can get a guy that's pro-ready who can get you a couple of seasons so that middle stack can move himself along. And like you said with the Joe Pavelski idea, you get a guy for two or three years that can move to help you down the middle, mm-hmm. be that 2C, let middle stack develop into that, and not rush him into anything and give him some power play time. Mm-hmm. And then Bukestad can handle the heavier minutes for you. And look at that. And then you got skill around Bukestad. Bukestad's just fine. Ta-da, everyone wins. Just imagine if Bukestad is dealt out of Pittsburgh, though, in this imaginary scenario, and they deal another guy out of the city that eventually is going to have to log Crosby and Malkin's minutes because they're not playing forever. Well, remember, they did trade for Galchenyuk after trading Kessel. Yeah, but Galchenyuk really needs to prove that he can do something. Yeah. And they still have Gensel. I mean, when you're traded straight up from Max Domi, and Max Domi ends up having a better season than you after the tumultuous start he had in Arizona, then, like... It's put up a shut-up time up, for Alex exactly. Galchenyuk. Mm-hmm. And it's a contract year. Definitely put up a shut-up time. Yeah. All right, guys. Let's get this. Let's get this trade deadline talk going here. Yeah. Because we hockeyed along quite a bit here. A lot more than I suspected we would. 
So the MLB trade deadline. Kyle, I'm going to go ahead and just hand you the reins here. Take over. I will do my best because I have a lot of words on this page, some big or some are small. (laughs) (laughs) I have so many words. They're the best words. Words of words. They can be used with other words. I just, I came in, was looking at teams, looked up some foreign rankings from after the, the draft, and there's just fits all over. this. The, the deadline this year is going to be, it has been interesting the last few years, but it's going to be even more interesting because teams have to make an accurate depiction and an assumption of what they're going to be for the rest of the season by July 31st because Major League Baseball nixed the waiver trade deadline on August 31st. So you're not going to see Justin Verlander getting waived and moved to Houston right before midnight on the 31st anymore of August for a late season run. Those days are over, so teams have one less month to figure out who they are. And I think it's going to make this year very interesting for a lot of teams, especially in the National League. I try to divide the teams in the league into what I expect to be sellers who I expect to be buyers, the buyers' needs, and who I see on the fence. And I had more teams on the fence than there were buyers. Yeah, I, and I was thinking eight that of the, was the case. Six of the eight teams I have on the fence are from the National League because it is just a logjam. If you're not a division leader right now, mm-hmm. you're within like six games or five games of a wild card spot. And that includes yeah. uh, the Rockies, Yep. which I'll start there since I have Frank here. Um, I guess. I didn't have a lot of sellable options. I had the Rockies as an on-the-fence team. Obviously, everybody in the National League West is on the fence because they're all around 500 and they're not named the Dodgers. So the other four teams have a lot of decisions to make in the next week and a half. Uh, I want your thoughts, though. I only had a couple of guys that came from the Rockies that weren't like big-name guys. Like If they choose to sell off like a Charlie Blackman or something like that, I would be absolutely shocked. I would be, too. But I just picked one name out of the rotation and a guy that's having a really good year out of the bullpen in John, John Gray other rotation Mm -hmm. maybe a change of scenery for him if they can get something back for his services and um scott oberg i make i can see that um i mean i wonder what what's going to eventually happen with kyle friedland as well you know that scene that seems like one where he's still got the ceiling a really high ceiling so a team could offer something and and take a chance on him. And if Colorado is willing to do that, they could absolutely do that or they could see they could think that he need he needed some more some time. We we don't know, I don't know. Um but I can see the two grain over you mentioned. And I think another guy out of the bullpen too who might who could get moved is uh Wade Davis. <sighs> For a team that's like desperately needs a closer, Wade Davis. Oh man, yeah. What a tough, what a tough time in his career it's been since going to Colorado. Yeah. Oh man. But any of the hitting court, I don't see it. They've I got a, They've got a really. It, it's a really good core. They just they haven't had any. Colorado hasn't had pitching for the longest time. They briefly mentioned the name Charlie Blackman on MLB Central this morning as a possible trade piece. He's making over I, like twenty million dollars. Yeah, I doubt it. They, they, him and Arnado just resigned like within the last couple of years to long term to, to long term deals, and they've got and you got Trevor Story too, 
who's uh, who I I really like him. Mm-hmm. You know, a great replacement for Tulowitzki. So we started with the Rockies. I think they're a fit for a couple of teams if they choose to sell. I may as well just start with the other teams I saw on the fence. The next week and a half will really determine a lot of things. You're going to see a lot of moves really, 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 really close to the deadline because, again, like I said, a lot of those National League teams are going to take it as close to the wire as they possibly can to see if they have a fighting chance to make one final push before the dog days in August. So on the fence, out of the American League, I have the Indians. They're in second place in the AL Central but they've been rumored to potentially be ready to move a Trevor Bauer out of the rotation, a Brad Hand out of the bullpen, Oliver Perez, who's a situational left-hander out of the bullpen as well, and the Rangers, also second place in their respective division, way behind the Astros. Their game above 500, I believe I saw this morning. Mike Miner's been on all the rumor lists the last two months. A guy like Lance Lynn, who's coming off a massive June, a renaissance, throwing 95-96 again, 150 strikeouts. Team would take a flyer on him, just like the Rangers took one on him to start the season. And then the, the National League, here we go. I got literally the entirety of the NL West. <laughs> it isn't the Dodgers. <laughs> and the Pirates and Reds. I think a guy like Starling Marte could be moved off the Pirates roster, same with Felipe Vasquez. Big endgame closer there. And then the Reds, if they choose to move on from a guy like Tanner Roark or Rossell Iglesias out of the bullpen, teams will be calling them left and right because you've seen a lot of you've seen a lot of teams in the playoffs go back to like the fireman days of the seventies and eighties where they'll they'll tell a guy or maybe he'll just be thrust into a role in the playoffs where he's their two, three-inning guy. If we need sixth, seventh, and eighth from you, go get it. Rysel Iglesias is a former starting pitcher turned closer. I'm sure he could find the stamina if a team wanted to take a flyer on him in the playoffs. The Reds could get something back for him as they're still in rebuild mode, figuring out who they are. If he can get a price back for Iglesias, I think a lot of teams would be calling. Wow. And those are just the on-the-fence teams. So all those names I just mentioned may not, may not even be available come the 31st because yeah, one some team of those on the hot. fence teams might be might even just try to buy anyway mm-hmm. yeah they could like just kyle said they can get hot and the next thing you know they're like they're um maybe we should actually hold on to these guys and see what we can pull off here mm-hmm. you know it's kind of the situation where the giants are going through let's right go columbus leroy jenkins there you go it's exactly what let's the go giants. columbus on this <laughs> <laughs> it's exactly what the giants are going through right now though i'm sure you've seen the run they're on gm i do not envy the job the GM Farid Zahidi is going to have in the next two weeks because all season it was the rumors of Madison Bumgarner. Is this the year he gets moved out of San Fran? Even a guy like Buster Posey, is his time in San Fran coming down? He's been there a while, too. Yeah, they have two left-handers in the bullpen that people have been calling about, Will Smith, Tony Watson, guys that can get out in big stages. But the Giants are 14-2 and in their last 16 games and suddenly in the discussion above 500 for a wild card. Now the biggest question for the Giants out. are going to be they have the biggest one of the biggest starting pitching trade pieces available on the market. I think the next what day is it? 22nd. The next 9 days we're going to see how serious the Giants are about yeah. this rebuild. They said they were ready to move into. And one of the biggest pieces is get 3 to 4 major chips back for a guy like Madison Bumgarner. He fits a lot of teams' needs. He fits a team like the Red Sox. He start fits for pitching. like all other 29 teams, doesn't he? Just about. He Starting fits, pitcher. He could fit the needs of a team like Philadelphia, 
a team like Boston. He's a quality starting pitcher. You can fit all the needs of all the teams. Yeah, a former World Series MVP. Set the record for most innings pitched in the playoffs in 2014. This guy is an absolute horse when the lights are brightest. The Brewers. I mean, a lot of these are hoop streams. Hoop dreams. The Yankees. He'd have to shave his beard. It's another joke I have. That's why Bryce Harper didn't go to the Yankees. Didn't want to shave his beard. I don't know if Bumgarner would go to New York. Because then you'd have to be clean-shaven. It'd be weird. It's like he's a wouldn't, rookie again. Wouldn't he have no choice in it if he gets traded? He would have no choice. I think he also has a modified Also, the Yankees team. can get over themselves. Let the guys have I agree their with beard. that. Well, yeah. It's not 1977 anymore. And you're not businessmen. You're baseball players. Yeah. You don't need to be clean-shaven. Get out of here with this nonsense. Tell them. You elite b-holes. <laughs> the twins. Need I go any further? You are going further. I am going further. Yeah, the Twins. The Twins were a big piece, too. They have the... Where's Get a quality ranking? arm for a team that rakes? Yeah. The 10th best post-draft farm rank as of last month. There's a match there. But, yeah, a lot of these teams... I don't want to focus too much on the on-the-fence guys because things could change in three days. But there's a lot of interesting names on teams who are in the middle of the the races right now but can't really tell who they are. And as you know, tanking has become a hot commodity in all big four sports seasons, except football. Hard to do that in football. But NBA, it's heavy. Hockey, obviously, it's been heavy. But it's sort of of becoming a fad in baseball because what does 81 and 81 get me at this point? I mean, that's even with expanding the postseason field. Exactly. Before was when they really should have been doing it. Yeah. When you're getting four teams per league in the playoffs, and that's it. That's all you get. You know, adding an extra team gives someone a little bit of extra hope. But it's still tough to make the postseason. And like you said, what's average getting me? It's getting me nowhere. Yeah, sixteenth pick in the in the twenty twenty draft, and and those kids are always to show far my fans. away. Right. Let's go to the sellers. Yes. Who are in the cellar? <laughs> no, nothing. Do the Blue Jays got anything interesting to give up? They do. They do. They have a couple of pieces I highlighted. They have um, the one big one. Whomst? Stroman. Yes, Marcus Stroman. He's been a name that has been all over the market the last month or so. A lot of teams are calling. Most recently, I just got an update from John Heyman. Uh, as of today, the Braves, the Yankees, and the Astros are among the teams in the mix. They're probably one of six or seven or eight. Braves, Yankees, Astros calling for Marcus Stroman services. He's a serviceable two in some raw in some rotations, definitely a strong three. He's having a good season after a tough 2018 uh, yeah, I think the Blue Jays get something for him. I also think Ken Giles is going to be dealt off the Blue Jays roster. He's not punching himself in the face anymore. So that's, that's a good smart. start. Usually a good thing not to punch yourself in the face. Yeah. Sub 2 ERA. Good amount of saves on a pretty middling roster. I think a team like you want to talk inter- interdivisionally, a, guy, a team like Boston, again, could be calling. A team like... The Braves starved for a closer. We're not able to bring Craig Kimbrell back. They're going to be calling every team under the sun that has a proven bona fide closer who is disposable. I think, you know, you can only get away with a guy like Luke Jackson 
pitching the ninth inning for you so long. If you're if you want to be taken seriously in the postseason, then I think you need a guy like a Ken Giles, or if you go to a team, another team that could be sellers, like I don't know, expected sellers of the teams I highlighted. The only real bona fide proven closer outside of Ken Giles might be a guy like Shane Green from Detroit, who's leading the league in saves. The American League in saves, at least. I believe Kirby Yates from San Diego has taken that over from him in the last few weeks. But for the most part, a lot of the sellers are highlighting pitchers and unproven closers, guys that have been thrust into that kind of role just out of necessity. Like Kansas City, for example. Kansas City could have some teams calling them about Ian Kennedy, a former Cy Young candidate with Arizona, 21 wins in 2011, but now he's been thrust into the bullpen and he's suddenly a closer for the Royals. They didn't have one. They're not expected to win. They're going to lose 100 games. Ian Kennedy's ready for the role. If they can get something for Ian Kennedy, I don't think it's going to be the price of a closer, though, on the open market. I think a team that's looking at Ian Kennedy is going to maybe turn him into a setup man, a seventh, eighth inning guy for a playoff push for a team who already has a closer in place. Much like, I don't know, the Brewers. The Brewers could look for some help leading up to Josh Hader, Jeremy Jeffress. It's kind of had an up-and-down season, was hurt to start it. They don't have a real proven guy. And, again, Kennedy isn't, so there's a lot of moving parts in these in these next few days. But, yeah, look at the Mets, too. Expected seller from me. It's just a matter of if they can humble themselves and potentially take the price down on some of their starting pitchers because the rumors the last few days have been they're asking, I think in my opinion, way too much for a pitcher like Steven Matz. And even with Zach Wheeler, guys that have good high potential still in their late 20s but haven't been able to put it together. Zach Wheeler's already been a deadline acquisition once. He came from the Giants in 2011 for Carlos Beltran. So if the Mets are able to take the price down and are able to swallow a tinier pill, I think they can get something back for a rotation that was expected to be the the next wave of the future in 2014 and 2015 when Syndergaard, DeGrom, Mats, Wheeler, and Harvey were all there, along with Big Sexy, obviously. Man, way to Mets it all up, Mets. They did Mets it all up. I mean, they did get to a World Series appearance. They did. So I can't really say it was all for naught, but you're supposed to have some longevity there, Mets. Come on. That's the ultimate Mets thing right there. The Get only to the guy World Series, rip the hearts out of everyone after that. The only guy that's really survived out of that quintet is Jacob DeGrom. He's the only guy not rumored to have been dealt or already has been dealt by the Mets. Mm-hmm. It's crazy stuff. So, yeah, the Marlins, I'm looking at the Marlins, too. They have a Starling Castro that could fit the need of a team like the Cardinals. You do the second baseman. Colton Wong got off to a hot start this year, but has tailed off since. And um, Sergio Romo, former closer, he's finished off a World Series for the Giants in the past. He's a guy you can get a little bit of a piece from because he's having a good solid year on a middling team. Someone could probably use him as a seventh, eighth inning guy in the playoffs. But, yeah, in terms of needs of most of the buyers, I think for our listeners, you can expect a lot of pitching to be moved in the next nine days. It, the, I think the days have are, have passed us and are gone 
were a lot of big-name bats move at the trade deadline. I had a couple written down here that I highlighted, like Toronto's got Freddie Galvis that someone could use as a bench bat, a guy that can play multiple infield positions. Uh, Trey Mancini and Jonathan Villar out of Baltimore, another guy, another two guys with a lot of versatility. Mancini in the outfield, he can play first base for a team like the Rays who are looking for an everyday first baseman. Uh, Jonathan Villar also fits the bill of a team like the Cardinals again, got the middle infield, a little bit of pop, stealing ability, 17 steals this year. I think if you're looking on the hitting side, the biggest bat I could expect to move this offseason, or this offseason, this deadline might be Nick Hostianos out of Detroit. And that's literally it. That is probably going to be the highlight. I think you're going to see a lot of arm. It's going to be an arm. So it's going to be primarily pitchers. I, I, I fully expect it's it probably going to be a lot of like smaller moves. It feels like. Yeah, teams will make some definitely some smart moves. Like yeah. I mentioned, like Ian Kennedy could yeah. go to a postseason bound team. Say, hey, we want you to get used to the seventh inning in the next few months for us we have a we have a comfortable lead i know you just took on this closer role but we like your stuff we want to see how it plays in x inning so we can make you our guy to insert closer here Mm -hmm. there's gonna be a lot of those strategic moves and ways to lengthen your bullpen because baseball's already become a bullpen game it's even magnified more in the playoffs you can get four or five innings out of your starter you throw some flamethrowers for the next four, five innings. Just absolutely shove it down teams' throats. That's the way to go these days. But, yeah, I think it's much like last year, much like 2017, much like go down the lines. It's going to be lefties and righties out of the bullpen and the rotation, changing names, changing cities. Mm. And I always love it. I think it's one of my favorite days of the year. You see those the 4 o'clock deadline. You're well, always deadlines are always social. fun. Yeah, absolutely. You're scrolling through Always. social media. You're following Ken Rosenthal. You're seeing what these these Todd Zalecki from Philadelphia. You're seeing what he has to see on the on, on the latest. It's it's exciting stuff, and you always get those deals that don't come through the it's works until four thirty. Like, the NHL and NBA trade deadline. It's just like you're always refreshing, refresh, refresh, mm-hmm. refresh, refresh, refresh. What's going on? What's going on? What's going on? What do we got? What do we got? And the same thing. Any hardcore baseball fan, like you said, Ken Rosenthal is a guy that he's going to drop a bomb or two, mm-hmm. and. You're going to see it, and you're going to be like, okay, well, that happened. Uh, let's see what we got. Let's see Let's see what more fun we've got here. And deadline day is always fun, and especially the way that you've got it compiled here and the way that it looks like the landscape could be going. It should make for a, at least a little bit of a shifting in dynamics here for the postseason push. Yeah, for our baseball listeners out there, our hardcore fans, just pay attention to the standings. I mean – Listen back to what we had to say here for the last 15 minutes on this on this topic. I mean, keep in mind that your favorite team might not make the biggest splash because, you know, you have to keep in mind what their farm system looks like too. There's not the – way, the, way, the way Major League Baseball has become so top-heavy the last few years, there's not a lot of player-for-player player deals at the deadline. I mean, 2014, the big headliner was John Lester for Yoannis Cespedes. Boston to Oakland. That helped both, that helped both parties. But – yeah, you have to keep in mind how long your team's been good, and unless you're not named the Houston Astros, who amaze me every day, with the ability of these these guys to just be they've they've sustained success since about 2015, their first postseason burst with this core. They've added to it with trades and free agent signings. They've brought up prospects. They've traded prospects, and they're still eighth ranked as of last month. 
you know, it's just it's just a matter of how smart your team has been in the last few years too, because that dictates how aggressive you can be at this deadline too. Because it's all a build up. You have to have guys ready to fill positions if you need them in the season, but you also have to have guys ready and producing in the farm system that can also be pieces for you to acquire some MLB ready talent for another push in twenty nineteen. I mean you could be the Astros who were eighth. You could be the Red Sox who were thirtieth. They're coming off a World Series victory, and they were ranked as the worst farm system in baseball. It's going to be tough for them to make a lot of big splashes with what they have in Pawtucket. It'd be interesting to see what you can get with uh, with the likes of, for example, Boston. Um, three games back of the wild card, but the division's not. It's a mile away. It seems twelve games back for that. And but Boston's a team that. When the playoffs come, they tend to show up. And part of the problem is you got to get there. And it's a crowded race. Because you've got Oakland, you've got Cleveland, you've got – it's either Cleveland or Minnesota, really. Mm-hmm. Tampa's in your way. It's a it's going to be an interesting race for the wild card there to see what two teams get those spots. Yeah, I'll remind you again. My This is not an official list. This is just when I looked at the standings, this is who I thought were on the fence. Keep – close tabs for the next nine days on the Indians, the Rangers, the Pirates, the Reds, the Giants, who are hot right now, the Rockies, the Padres, and the Diamondbacks. Depending on how those teams, I think, fare in the next eight or nine days of gameplay, it will really offset the middle of the league right now. If some of those teams get hot and they think they're buyers, then that'll lengthen the list of buyers. If they get cold, Somebody goes two and four, two and five over the next seven days of play, eight days of play, and they fall eight games out, and they got two months to jump seven teams. You might see them drop down to the sellers, and some of those players that we highlighted could be on the move. But you know, like I said, there's one less deadline. There's a lot of teams in the middle. It's going to come down to the wire, and I think it's going to be as crazy as it possibly could be come the thirty first. Guys, for the first time in a while, next episode we get football heavy. Be ready. Bill's training camp, we'll get position battles. We'll talk to one of our friends down at Bill's training camp as well. Not sure who we'll get yet, who would be able to uh, make their appearance. But that's for me to figure out and for you to find out on the next Leftovers podcast. Thanks for listening. Derek Kramer, Frank Curry, and Kyle Powell. And we come at you Monday, Thursday. Thank you for listening on WGR550.com, on demand, or on the radio.com app. I'm excited. Football's back. I'm very excited for this. And we get to really dive into some bills. But really, the the strangest thing about the bills is going to be, at the end of the day, one person makes or breaks their season talk more on that next time. Thanks for listening. Later. Baseball is back and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market regular season game on your favorite streaming devices anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. 
Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.